Hello out there. Welcome to the Growing Bellies and Babies podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Cahill. Today, we'll be exploring the fundamentals of nutrition, deciphering common nutrition terminology, and understanding what you're putting in the shopping cart. To help us with this discussion, we have our own Bridget McEwen from Growing Bellies and Babies as our head of nutrition here. Bridget, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Good good to have you on. It's uh, exciting. It's Bridget, your first podcast. It is my first podcast. Oh, Very awesome. Exciting. Awesome. Well, we're glad it's with us. Um, so Bridget, there's a, a good amount of listeners out there who don't know you. So why don't you just give them a, a brief background on yourself? Sure. Um, so I am a registered dietitian. Um, I've been a dietitian for about seven and a half years. Um, I did my undergraduate um, degree at Westchester University in Pennsylvania. I have my degree in nutrition and dietetics. Um, in order to become a dietitian, you have to complete something that's called a dietetic internship um, in order to be eligible to sit for the national um, exam to be a registered dietitian or a registered dietitian nutritionist, uh, same thing. Um, so I completed that at NYU. I also have my master's degree in clinical nutrition at, um, from NYU as well. Um, I currently work in a hospital in New York. I work um, in an outpatient cancer center. And I'm a board-certified specialist in oncology nutrition. So it's safe to say you know a thing or two about this topic, <laughs> right? Uh, a couple of years' experience. And then just as you pointed out, there is a bit of a difference between being a registered dietitian nutritionist versus just nutritionist. Yes, yes. So there is um, you know, the process to be a registered dietitian. Um, there's a national exam that you have to pass. Uh, we have continued education that we have to complete every five years to keep our credentials um, for the RD or RDN, Registered Dietitian Nutritionist. Um, technically, to call yourself a, a nutritionist, um, there's really not a creden credentialing process. So anyone can say that they're a nutritionist, but the RD or RDN, um, you know that you had to complete the education and um, pass the national exam. So I'd like to think I'm an amateur nutritionist, so it's nice <laughs> to sit next to uh, someone who has the, the credential in the background. So thank you so much for, for letting us know that, and thank you for explaining the differences. Um, I'm sure there are a lot of good nutritionists out there, but I'm glad we have you on our team. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about the topic. So we have a, a lot to talk about today. It's, it's a packed podcast, a lot of information. Um, so first thing we're going to start with is understanding some nutrition terminology, uh, to include exploring organic, the topic of organic. So if you don't mind, uh, can you just give us a little bit of explanation around the term organic, organic fruits and organic vegetables? Sure. So the word organic um, by USDA regulations means that um, plant foods are produced uh, without the use of synthetic fertilizers, sewage, sludge, irradiation, um, or any ingredients that were genetically engineered during production. Um, so there is a um, pretty rigorous process for something to be considered organic. A certifier from the government must inspect farms to make certain that um, organic standards are being followed. So for, for produce in particular to become be certified as organic. And these certifications and everything go through the USDA, U.S. Department of Agriculture. Yes. And they actually have a certification that goes along with them. 
yeah, so the the farms that are producing the organic um, produce much must follow these um, certain protocols in order to for their produce to be called organic. Um, but to to say organic, it doesn't necessarily mean healthier. Um, organic is is more so based upon how the produce is grown. Um, you know, there is I don't know if you've heard of what's called the dirty dozen. It comes out every year. No, I never heard dirty dozen. It does make me feel good though, knowing that uh, I'm not. You know, I, I'm a mixed organic guy, so some some organics I'm not, and I, I almost feel like there's this aura around if I'm not eating totally organic, I'm like in the wrong or something. So that does give me a little warm and fuzzy as you explain that. Yeah. So organic doesn't necessarily mean healthier. <laughs> yeah. Good. Good to know. So tell me about the Dirty Dozen. What is the Dirty Dozen? Sure. The Dirty Dozen is um, it's something that comes out through the Environmental Working Group. Um, and each year they kind of um, number the produce of what's considered the quote unquote dirtiest. Um, strawberries has made the number one spot for the past couple of years. Um, but there's a little bit of controversy. This, you know, is in the realm of organics. There's another organization out there that looked more so specifically at like how many strawberries you would have to eat to have, um, any adverse effects from those pesticides. And it's, you know, for a woman, you would have to consume over 400 servings of strawberries. So it's a little bit of controversy, um, with the dirty dozen and just in the realm of organic in general, um, my suggestion is usually if you're thoroughly washing your produce, then that that's great. The vitamins um, in there certainly outweigh any any types of the pesticides if you're unable to you know afford or buy everything that's organic. Yeah, and you make a great point there, right? So I know if, you know myself. I, I, I try to eat organic when I can. If I don't. Um, you know, no harm, no foul, but to your point, it's a little bit expensive. If I have a bigger family or, you know, my budget's a little tighter, um, I don't have to feel so terrible now if I'm not reaching for organic and giving my kid, you know, just a apple, not organic apple or a carrot and not an organic carrot. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. Feel yeah. pretty good about that. Yeah. If you're looking to see like what to buy organic, what not to buy organic, you know, I usually say look at for things that you're going to eat the skin off of, like an apple or a pear. But if you're buying other things like you know, avocado or, you know, corn on the cob where you're peeling the skin off of, you know, you're in a sense, essentially kind of peeling away anything that was treated when it was grown. Um, but, you know, it, it doesn't have to be organic to be healthier. <laughs> yeah. Good to know. Now, can meats be organic? Um, so meats can be organic. Um, in order for meat to be considered organic or fish or eggs, um, they would not contain any growth hormones or antibiotics. Okay. So I think a, a lot of, I mean, I didn't originally know that meats had an organic nature. I always hear like grass fed, the, the term grass fed, but it's good to know if I'm buying organic meat, uh, the background on, on how they have to be organic or certified organic, they're essentially also organic. <laughs> it's an organic, healthy cow. Yes. Uh, you know, so I'm eating an organic, the cow's eating organic. I'm eating organic. Everything down that line is eating yeah, organic. Yeah. The animals must be raised under like organic man management, so to say, for them to be considered okay. organic. <laughs> yeah. Cool to know. So, so we clarified the term organic. Um, there are some things that are packaged and may say certified organic. Uh, so understand that there is certified organic and then understand there are some packaging that says you know, some some organic in there. So, so don't be fooled, I guess. Yeah. So 
there's different levels of organic. Um, a package would say 100% organic if every ingredient inside of it is organic. Um, it will say just organic if there is a total of 5% of non-organic content that was used in there. So nothing more than 5% um, is not organic in that product. And then it would say made with organic ingredients if at least 70% of the ingredients are certified organic. All right. So there, there is a little bit of difference in the packaging. So I didn't want you to be fooled. I wanted to make sure we had that point made out there. Yes. So yeah. When someone's grabbing an organic package, just make sure you're understanding what, I guess, level of organic it is. Yeah. You, and you can look at the ingredients on the package too, and it will tell you specifically what is the organic in there and what is not organic in there um but you know again just because it says organic doesn't mean it's necessarily going to be healthier for you compared to if there's a a non-organic product next to it of the same kind and i wonder if there's anyone out there listening who's in the guinness book of records did we say organic enough <laughs> in a two and a half minute you know <laughs> minute time period to, to get that into the book to keep keep that in mind as we as we talk about it um all right so we'll, we'll shift gears a little bit let's get into macronutrients uh, and the actual term macronutrients. Sure. So um, a macronutrient is technically what most of our meals are composed of. So of the food groups, um, carbohydrates, proteins, and fats. Okay. So those are the three main macronutrients? Yes. Okay. And do you have any good examples of these macronutrients? Sure. So for um, some examples of protein, um, we have our animal products, um, chicken, fish, eggs, nuts, seeds, beans, lentils. Um, these are all what I would call leaner protein sources, meaning that there's less um, saturated fat to them. Um, when it comes to fats, I would encourage more so of unsaturated fats, meaning that they're more heart healthy. Um, examples include avocado, nuts, seeds, olive oil, flax seeds, uh, cold water fishes that have the omega-3 fatty acids to it, like salmon um, and Albuquerque tuna, for example. And then for carbohydrates, um, we can have our fruits. Um, there's starchy vegetables like sweet potatoes, corn, peas, a wide variety of whole grains, beans, lentils. Um, when it comes to carbs in particular, my main suggestion would be looking um, for more fiber. All right, so that's a good. So went over macronutrient. Gave a couple of good examples of those mac macronutrients. Uh, so then I think another another item that uh, I think about often, especially when I'm buying food for whether it's my myself, my family, my children, or my child, um, the frozen versus fresh versus dried food. Uh, that seems to be a point of contention. Uh, everyone's, you know, you want to buy, fr if, if I could bottle this up, you want to buy fresh, organic, straight from the farm, <laughs> get your milk from the cow. Uh, that's kind of what everybody uh, I know of speaks of when they're talking about healthy. Um, but is that really the case? I know we kind of said like if washing your fruit and your produce, uh, making sure you're knowing what's going in in the shopping cart. Is that accurate? So frozen foods, fresh foods, dry foods, any differences? Yeah, so they're so technically they're all fruits and vegetables. It's just kind of how they're being stored that's different. So um, just to touch on frozen first. So frozen ideally is you know fruit or vegetables that are are picked when they're ripe and then frozen. 
Um, so nutrition wise, really same vitamins, um, same nutrition profile. So no issues at all with frozen. And I actually buy frozen all the time and think that it lasts longer. It's sometimes easier to use in certain dishes. Um, as far as dried, you know, fruits go in particular, dried, you know, vegetables if possible. Um, they're nutrition wise, if you're, um, if you're drying them yourself, then no, you know, it's still going to be the same nutrition content. Um, the thing is that when, um, produce is dried, it shrinks. So you probably have to eat a lot more of it to feel satisfied with a serving compared to if it's fresh or frozen. So depending upon if we say nutrition goals, um, you know, if you're freezing for, or if you're drying, for example, um, a banana, you probably are going to need to eat more pieces of a dried banana to feel comfortable with a portion. Um, so, you know, pairing that with something else, like pairing it with a handful of nuts or a cheese stick might make it more appropriate for a snack. Um, my other caution would just be with any type of dried fruits in particular is if it's already packaged, uh, we want to be sure there's no added sugar in there, which sometimes happens um, when it's packaged or added to like trail mixes, for example. So I can see how you, you, you're eating the dried fruit, handfuls of the dried fruits. I've been guilty of it. Mm-hmm. You, you put some dried apricots in front of me, I'll eat the whole bag. Mm-hmm. You know, craisins. Yeah. I'm crazy about them. Yeah. Pun intended. <laughs> Pun intended dad joke. <laughs> Settling in nicely to my dad. My dad <laughs> But understanding that, so that goes to the next topic, which is the calorie, right? Mm-hmm. And, calor- and caloric intake. Um, so first level setting everybody what exactly a calorie is. So a, a calorie technically is the amount of energy that a food or a beverage contains. And then talking about the macronutrients we just learned about, um, so proteins, fats, carbohydrates, they all have different caloric value. They do. So protein and carbohydrates have four calories per gram in them. Um, Fats have a little bit higher of a caloric content. It's nine calories per gram. Um, So if we think like fats, like olive oil, for example, it's, you know, going to be more calories for a smaller serving because that's a fat and it, you know, nine calories per smaller serving size. Sure. And that's where a lot of people get into a little bit of trouble trouble is understanding the difference in the calories and that kind of thing so you know listening just to to the information you're giving us and and talking about feeding either myself my wife my child our family as a whole you know now does that mean i need you're talking grams i mean this is getting really technical do i need a a scale am i gonna you know how do i build that plate for for my family how do i build it for my child no i you know definitely don't need a scale um what my suggestion is trying to focus more so on a combination of the food groups when you're eating. Um, so the USDA has established something it's called my plate. It's actually the updated version of what used to be the food pyramid. Um, and what this shows is, uh, trying to portion your plate with a variety of food groups. So ideally half of your plate would be fruits or non-starchy vegetables um, about a quarter portion of your plate would be protein. And then the other quarter portion of your plate would be the carbohydrates. So it's a helpful way to be sure you're getting a balance of nutrients with your meals. And then there's also another way when looking at your child's hand or my hand. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So for the kids, you can, you know, the plate option is 
there too. It's a smaller plate, of course, probably like more of like a seven inch plate for a kid. Um, but for a toddler, for example, um, you know, the size of your child's palm um, would be helpful for like a, pro- a protein serving. Um, and then the, ch- the size of your child's fist would be helpful for a serving of like the greens or the carbs and the fruits and vegetables. Um, and then if there's going to be a little bit of fat on the plate too, like cheese or peanut butter, um, the size of your child's thumb could be another, like the whole thumb could be an option for uh, the serving. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so you're going to see me putting chicken in, in, in Colby Jean's hand <laughs> later. Uh, so you're sure she's getting what she needs. But uh, no, awesome, awesome. Two excellent ways to understand and making sure you're eating one um, healthy, nutritious uh, ingredients, macronutrients, as well as building your plate accordingly um, to, to ensure that everyone's kind of making a, a whole plate, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. So you have two different methods there, which I thought was it, it, you know very helpful. And I've never heard uh, the actual hand method that you were describing. Yeah, it's earlier. a good, just for visual why sometimes it, it helps for that. But yeah, definitely. <laughs> Cause I'm, I'm a guy who buys the biggest plate going. I'll, I'll cut that thing in half quarters. And I'll it. So, so awesome to know. Um, now, kind of transitioning, uh, any any good tips or anything, uh, any resources you find it, uh, you know, if I was just trying to get more information, you, you gave us so much today, um, where can I kind of go to either look it up, follow it up, you know, get more information on Backgrounder? Sure. Um, so a website I usually recommend is called eatright.org. Um, this is through the Academy of Nutrition Dietetics. So it's, you know, dietitians who are managing this information. Um, They have a lot of recipes on there, different suggestions based upon what you're looking for nutrition-wise. And they also have, you know, other um, credible websites to refer to as well. Yeah. So really good, really great resources. And you touched on a lot today. So we talked through organic, what actually organic means, uh, macronutrients, calories, how to build a plate, great sources of the different macronutrients, uh, different resources to use, uh, USDA guidelines on organic, different things. Um, And all this information, guys, will be on our website. So if you go to growbelliesandbabies.com, go ahead and sign up. You'll get access to the podcast, access to different resources and consulting services. Uh, Keep that in mind. And as usual, always remember, um, check in with your physician. Make sure you're doing what's right for you and your child. Uh, and you know getting as much resources as you can so uh, with that being said thank you so much for joining us today on growing bellies and babies podcast again i'm your host brendan kale here with bridget McEwen, where happy bellies make happy hearts thank you so much and we'll see you next time thanks for having me brendan you got it mm-hmm.